Hey, Southridge Church, thanks for joining today. Welcome to Southridge Online. And whether you are in Canada or around this world, we appreciate you and we are glad that you have joined us today. But I would encourage you to do more than just listen today. Visit our website at southridgefellowship.ca. Find out more about us if you're new or join us in community by joining one of our community groups and engage with us in the mission that God has given us to fulfill by either giving financially or serving or just even following Jesus daily. We are so glad that you're a part of us and we encourage you to step into something that God has for you. So find out more at southridgefellowship.ca and enjoy the message. Oh, it's so good to be coming off of last week. I know a lot of you were here or have you seen online Lee's testimony? Wasn't that amazing? Wasn't that just incredible? If you haven't had the chance to go see Lee's testimony, Lee Wasmuth, it's on our website. Go look at it. I don't know how many dry eyes there were in the, in the audience last week in the congregation, but we were blessed by what God has do, done through her. Um, lots of great things happening in our church, including the fact that next week we actually have a baptism with Ricky Souza and uh, Kim Jenkins are being baptized. Isn't that awesome? So it's just another thing. Like God is doing some great things. Yeah, let's just, for sure. Um, there's a lot of great things happening. We've seen miracles. We see people coming to Christ. We see baptisms happening and uh, God is at work. Our church, the church, our church is doing well despite the things that are going on in our, in our world. Um, you know, for me, I was a little nervous this morning. Uh, I will admit this because of one thing. Uh, I don't know if some of you realize this, but I haven't preached live here in almost two years um, because, uh, or it feels like two years, maybe it's a year and a half, but because um, uh, the last time I, was, I preached actually was on the screen in July. So there's this massive screen. You imagine what that has. So I came in this morning and I think, oh man, you know, because of the day-to-day, I thought, uh, I used to be a youth pastor. Wouldn't it be cool if I just came in in a costume? No, I would take away from what we're doing today, wouldn't it? Although I have a really good Gandalf costume um, that I thought yeah, this would be really cool to come in and talk about, you know, to come up as Gandalf and talk about, you know, a pastor is never late, nor early. He arrives precisely when he means to or something like that, because it would be really fun to be talking about Lord of the Rings, which we are going to do today. Um, we are starting a new series in the book of Philippians. And I'll just say this. Philippians is an encouragement book, and Philippians is a great book for us to go through right now. It really is. Just to think that, 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 uh, that Brent was, was listening to the Spirit and allowing the Spirit to speak to him and said, I think we should do Philippians chapter 1 is a really good thing for all of us. Now, before we get into this today, understand that Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul. He's with Timothy. He's in chains. And he is writing to a church in this town called Philippi. The church was founded by Paul around the year 50. So if you get the idea of the background of this, this book. But here's what I want us to look at today coming out of this passage. This is the pitch. This is often, I don't always talk about it, but here's the pitch that I'm throwing at you that hopefully you catch over and over and over again what we're doing today is this. Because of the good news of Jesus, we need to strive for unity and partnership so we can experience Christian fellowship. Let me say that again. Because of the good news of Jesus, for the sake of each other and outsiders, I I would add to that, We need to strive for unity and partnership so that we can experience Christian fellowship. 
Now we don't use the word fellowship very often in our, in our casual conversations. Maybe some of you do. I, I doubt it. I don't hear that a lot. And uh, often when I think about fellowship, I think, okay, we're part of, the, part of the Pacific region of the Fellowship of Evangelical Baptist Churches in Canada. So that denominational affiliation is fellowship in there. But more importantly, as I already hinted at today, there is this, my favorite book series ever is The Lord of the Rings. Nobody else really wants to say, yeah, there's some people that are like in Lord of the Rings, fantasy, that sort of thing. And so I thought it would be good to talk about the Lord of the Rings a little bit, thinking about fellowship, because that's our, our goal of what we're talking about today. So in the Lord of the Rings, for some of you who maybe have not seen them or not read the books, there was a fellowship of a gathering of, of peoples of Middle Earth that gathered together, and they were around a purpose. They were bound together to say, we are going to come to your side, Frodo, a hobbit, to cast the ring of fire, or cast the ring of power into the fires of Mount Doom. And that was the whole purpose of this fellowship. They came around this idea of unity and partnership through thick and thin. Literally, they were called the Fellowship of the Ring. So that's what they were, uh, uh, they were given the name of the Fellowship of the Ring. They showed love and care for each other as seen in the story. Now, I don't want to spoil it for you. If you don't know the story, go and read the books at least because the books are amazing. I've said, read them a couple times out loud to my kids. So if you think about the commitment level, that is, of uh, The Lord of the Rings and J.R.R. Tolkien. But true companionship happened in this fellowship. It took place through thick and thin life and death. So we're going to enter into Philippians chapter 1 and 1 to 8. And if you want to follow along in a Bible or if you'd like to watch on the, on the screen, feel free to do so. But I want to read this for you now. This is Philippians chapter 1, 1 to 8. And it says, Paul and Timothy servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, but since I have you in my heart, and whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Now, in this passage, it shows a lot of commitment and emotion in this between Paul to the church. And, and as we see, there's this connection from the church back to Paul. The Apostle Paul is setting the tone of, of all of these emotions and pleading with them. He knows them on the basis of this idea of partnership and fellowship. Paul and Timothy are in chains and are suffering. In the face of suffering, Paul experiences joy. How on earth would you, would he decide, I'm just going to pray with joy in that type of circumstance? Because I think this type of connection that drives him is this connection to the church that we see in verse 5, which is this little Greek word called koinonia. Now koinonia points to this joint interest, this one-mindedness, this participation, this mutual desire for companionship. 
that, that community building thing. This is the base of Christian community. Bringing like-minded people together with a common goal. And that common goal, as we read in, 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 this, in this passage, is the gospel. The good news. Jesus Christ is that common goal, and there's no disconnection between them and the church he's writing to. They are of one mind on this. They're partners, companions. There's an experience of fellowship because of the gospel of Jesus. That is the goal. We may think ourselves that, that being in a church is something else, that we have some other purpose like the fellowship of the ring, that there's some goal that we need to do that is, that is to cast the ring of power into the fires of Mount Doom, that there's this earthly thing that we need to do as a church and that's just not true. We cannot fight against earthly things. That's not what we're all about. The experience of the gospel is the goal. And it happens through our fellowship. That journey together is the destination. We are living it. We are living the gospel. We are an example of the gospel because we're living this together and, and focused on this together. Now, I think we can learn a lot from this passage about us as a church. We can learn a lot of different things, and we are going to learn a lot of different things that I believe God has put into this message today. But, but we, we also have to remember that we are actually doing some of these things. That as an encouraging book, we need to be focused on the fact that we are, as a church, as Southridge Church, we are doing some of these things. And I want to point to this part in verse 5 that we talked about with Koinonia. This word comes as partnership. This fellowship, this, this idea of partnering together is so critical. Instead of members of our church, we call our members partners. And there's a reason for that. Back a long time ago, before I came to Southridge, way before I've been here for, um, this is my 10th year of being here. I've been here a long time, but way before that, we decided we would not call people members, but we could call people partners. Now, I understand someone pointed out to me once, they said, uh, in our Intro to Partnership seminar, they said, they said, hey, you know, why members and why not partners? Because a body member is where we get that idea from. Makes sense, right? The, the, the etymology of the whole thing is that it's an arm or a leg, or this is how we get this idea of member. But at the very beginning of Southwich, they decided that in our society, the word member has lost its potency. That when we think of member, we think, oh, I'm a member of the society. I'm a member. I'm a voting member. I just get to vote, and I just am inactive. And although it was an active word, it had lost its potency. And so they wanted to give this idea of Southridge and the committed people of Southridge to believe this picture. That everybody at Southridge would gather together linking arms. And as they linked arms, they would rush forward, rush the hill to the very top to say, and this is where God wants us to go. And we are going to do this together and we're going to grab arms and we're unified and we're partnering together. And that's the vision and the, the expression that they wanted to see. That nobody could be dead weight. Nobody could be pulling us back because we are going to be excited about what God is doing here. And that is the focus of what we wanted to do back then. And this is still the focus today. And I think it's hard to always see that because we just we've been going through this pandemic and it's hard to know who we are and who we aren't and, and where we're going. But we did just have this awesome vision series that gave us a direction of where we're going to go. 
those who don't become partners are not part of this chain. We want a deeper investment with people that want to really go to where God wants us to go. We heard the vision. We know we need to intentionally take risks. We need to know we need to, 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 to live bravely outward. These are the things that we need to do, that God is calling us to do. So if you are, are thinking about or wondering about, well, what would it look like for me to become a partner of Southridge? Pastor Paul talked about it in the announcements. There is an intro to Southridge class on Tuesday at 7 p.m., uh, I'm going to be leading it. It's going to be awesome. If, even if you're just like, I'm not so sure about Southridge, and you just want to ask some questions and just learn and not take that step towards partnership, you are welcome. But it, it is for those who want to take that step and want to become a partner of Southridge and say, I want to join that chain. I want to see what would happen if I'm part of this and my life would change because I'm with other people unified doing this thing. And if this is you, sign up online at 7 p.m., it says seven to nine. I don't think it'll be two hours. I can't imagine a two-hour Zoom call. Um, I know some of you have, and they're sometimes very brutal. So um, it should be about an hour, hour 15, and uh, it should be a really good time just to reflect and to figure out if this is the next step for you. So I encourage you to do that if you haven't already. And now back to this passage. When we think about these things, Paul is reveal, he reveals this unshakable confidence He's so confident in, in this. He's so confident, but it's not in his own work. He had every right to be. He founded this church in Philippi. He, he had lots of things to boast about. There's great things happening, but he has decided, no, this is what I'm confident in. And he says so in verse six, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, this is, this is one of those passages that people take out of context all the time. They misquote. <laughs> but really what this is talking about is this confidence in it, it, that he who began that good work in all of us, but in you individually, that salvation, that gospel, that has been known to some of you, that know Jesus closely, that will continue to grow. That is God's promise. So no matter what the church faces, it will stand. That if this completion happens within us individually, that co corporately, collectively, we will see this happen as a great movement of God's people. That the church will stand despite a pandemic, despite the things that you're facing, despite the, the, the struggles that we have, the loneliness that we have, the friction that we have in our relationships. The fact that a couple Fridays ago, Brent gave an update about his health and to, to think about that, it's scary because there's a, still this big question mark on his life, that there's still some levels that aren't coming down. And I'll be honest with you, that was, as, as a staff member, as a fellow pastor, that was really hard to hear. It was hard to hear that this isn't done yet for Brent. Brent is still struggling with cancer levels, and they don't know what's going on. And even in spite of these things that we, that we face as a church, that God has a vision for us, that we are to move forward, we are to link arms, and we are to go forward in, in spite, despite all these things that are facing us. What Paul and Timothy experienced was complete opposition, nothing like some of the things that we, the, the, just the, the things outside of us are just like, oh man, it's so hard, like mask, no mask, all these things going on. These are, these are not opposition, but they face opposition to their faith. 
that they are experiencing this, 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 this persecution in their church. But Paul is so confident that the church will stand because God does not lie about his promises. And God will see to it that the church makes it to the completion of his task. And nothing in us or outside of us can stop him from accomplishing this. Neither life nor death will prevent the successful accomplishment of God's good work in every follower of Jesus, which includes us as Southridge, which includes you personally. So there are two key things that come out of this passage that I really want to focus on. You could probably guess what they are. They, they come out of this idea of koinonia, and these key things are unity and partnership. Unity and partnership. True fellowship and true companionship can happen if we focus on these things. You see, unity is so important to the church, isn't it? Unity is so important. When I think of unity, there's at least two types of people. Maybe there's more, but these are the first two things that, that came to my mind that, 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 that take, go against this unity, and both are because these people are not following Jesus daily. The first type is pretty obvious. Those who don't know Jesus. They don't follow Jesus daily because they don't know him. They have different values. They have different rules. They live by a different standard. They may even be in our midst today, among us, who have not claimed Jesus as their Lord, but they cannot experience Christian fellowship, and they don't add to the unity of our church. Now, if this is you, and you think, man, I am that person that isn't unified. I don't feel Christian fellowship because I don't really know Jesus. If this is you and you want to be all in, joining with us in this unity, you can. You absolutely can. You can decide to follow Jesus today. You can join the family of God. This covers and spans the entire earth, but be part of this family here at Southridge. And if this is you, I would love to chat with you, even if you just have a question and you just want to ask it and say, well, what about this or what about that? I just don't know about Jesus. Come and talk to me. I would love to talk with you or talk with someone who's with you who brought you today. Uh, someone would love to share with you what it means to follow Jesus. But it is available to you today. Now, the second type I'll describe are those who are believers, who have al but have allowed values not of Christ to rule in their hearts. These are the people that will not, they will not experience Christian fellowship. They will not experience it. If they don't have the values of Christ, if they're allowing other things to come into their life, they will not experience unity. Now, here's the tricky thing. A lot of these people don't even realize that they're even doing this, that they're even going against the unity of the church. They're just living their lives and they're allowing these values just to dictate on default of what they're, supposed, what they're living their lives as, and they don't realize this. But then there's also those who know full well that they're causing friction, right? We all know some people that feel like, oh man, if they really understood the unity of the church, that, that they would realize that maybe this is harmful to us as a church. If you wonder if this type, second type of person is you, first pray and ask God to reveal it to you. I'm confident that he'll show you. If you still feel unclear, look at the things that have happened in your life. 
Look at those things. Just think back of the things that have happened in your life in the last little while and, and all the things that have a common denominator. Because often when I'm looking at the things that are faulty in my life, it's because there's a common thing that's running through the whole thing. And it's actually fairly easy to see if we really just clear our minds and pray and ask God to reveal it. He will reveal it and see, oh, what about this and this and this? This is all related. This all stems back to this one thing. Is there unconfessed sin that needs dealing with in your life? Because that will harm unity. Is there a wreckage behind you of broken relationships? Not getting along with people. Hurting or being hurt by gossip. Or even wondering why everyone else is always wrong. You know those people that say, oh yeah, it's all that person's fault. It's always that person, that person. I mean, that could be a good indicator that there is actually something wrong. There is a common denominator and it's not the other people. Now, I don't want to leave you hanging by point, poking at some things that maybe are very real to you and you're really struggling with. So I want to invite you to the front at the end of the service after the benediction if you would like to have prayer for some of the things that God is convicting your heart of. I don't know what they are. I'm just, I'm just pointing to some things that I know are important to unity. And if there's some things that are struggling in your life, to come to the front, there's some people on either side of the stage that would love to pray with you, to talk this through with you, to ask for prayer and for courage and for strength for God to give you to know because he's, he's pointed at some things in your life that you know will help us as a church be unified. Listen, this type of life isn't easy. When I talk about the Christian life, following Jesus daily is not easy. It's so easy for us to say, oh, just follow Jesus daily, read your Bible and pray and go to church. And It's hard. That hard, that feeling of hard is actually very normal. And we should expect it to be hard. We shouldn't expect it to be easy. We are a messed up people who fail over and over and over and over and over again. We all do it. I do this. I'm constantly reminded of my failures where I haven't quite lived up to God's standard for my life. But to build a unity, consider asking yourself these questions. Am I praying with joy with, for others? Am I praying with joy for others? Or how about do I pray for others while I'm facing suffering? Or when I'm in suffering, is it all just about me? Or is unity in the church that important to me? Or should it be more so? When I think of church, is unity really on my mind? I mean, it's not always on my mind, so don't feel too bad if it's not. But, but, it, but like, is unity really, does it really matter in our church? Can God do more things through us if we're unified? So the first thing is unity. The second thing is partnership that I, that I want to talk about today. This key thing of partnership so we as Southridge need to strive for unity and partnership and experience fellowship, love, and care for each other. But this is only through the sharing in that good news, that goal of the gospel. Jesus is the center of it all. And for the we to happen, each one of us, you, me, need to strive for unity and partnership so that you can experience fellowship. And you can you can experience, experience love. You can experience care. And you can experience that and be that for others.
You need to be present for others' sake in a church service. That's what unity start, where unity starts, where partnership starts, that you need to be here for someone else, maybe someone you don't know. I think we find it too easy to settle for an association to other people, to other believers without going deeper. We think attending online, we as people, maybe not you, but we as people think attending online or in-person services are enough. I think we can go deeper choosing unity, partnership, and that will create Christian fellowship. J.H. Pickford uh, said that often this, he has this quote, fellowship is shallow to us as it amounts to going to church, singing hymns, and saying prayers. And this was written in 1949, quite a while ago. I wonder if anything has changed. Is that what our view of fellowship is? Coming to church, watching a podcast, watching an online service, saying a prayer, singing a song, and move on. Because going through the motions doesn't make someone a believer in Jesus. Going to a church service doesn't make you a follower of Jesus. Sending your teenager to a Christian youth group does not make them a follower of Jesus. Sending your kids up to SR Kids this morning does not make them automatically a follower of Jesus. Sending your kids to a Christian school does not make them a follower of Jesus. A follower of Jesus is a genuine faith that needs to work and needs, needs to be developed. In fact, if we start to have this idea of what a Christian really is, we go, just go surface level. I think we actually become stuck. There's no movement. We got an analogy, and I online uh, I recorded this message, and it was smaller blocks, but I wanted to make sure they were nice and big for you, so you can see them. Um, so we've got two blocks here. If one stands still, and one starts moving, what happens? There's friction, right? If the other stands still and the other one starts moving, there's friction. If both are moving, but in different directions, I can hear, you can't really hear, but there's friction. If both are standing still, there's no movement, they're just stuck. But if we have the blocks moving in the same direction and they're moving all over the place, there's, there's no friction. We're, we're of one mind. They're almost like as if they were one block, even though they're two. They're, they're together. They're partnered together. How many of us who are married have gone through moments where there's friction, either on one side or the other? Maybe one is stuck and the other one's moving. Maybe the opposite is happening. Maybe both are going different directions. And your life is characterized by these blocks because there's just constant friction. And the pandemic hasn't helped it, has it? Or you're stuck and you're a stalemate and you're not moving at all. There's no growth. See, same as in a marriage is also with the church in partnership. If there's no movement, there's no companionship, there's no partnership. 
There's no koinonia. We, we experience in this in the church if both sides are stuck or are unmoving. There's no advancement of the gospel. It's not happening. Lives are not changed. This is the type of church that John talks about in Revelation. It, the, in the church, church of Laodicea is neither hot nor cold. They are not useful for anything. We do not want to be a standstill church, do we? A stuck church. We need to intentionally take risks. What does that risk look like for you? Or like the Laodicean church description is that we are spit out of God's mouth if we're not useful. You see, we can have people on our minds, but not in our hearts. Paul and Timothy had people on their minds and on their hearts, and the church to Paul. Let's just go back to verse 7. Verse 7 says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart and whether I'm in change or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. There's this like-mindedness, this connection. So someone has defined fellowship as this, fellows in the same ship going the same direction. Of course, people all know those situations when fellowship isn't really happening on that said boat. There's just this awkwardness that's happening. We're just existing together and nothing really is happening. Southridge, you are on this boat together. You are here today. You are part of this church. Maybe you're visiting, but you're here on this boat right now. You are here. We just went through this vision series. Let's depart in this ship in this direction. Let's really go. Let's be unified. Let's be partnered together. Let's really go for it. Let's just not talk about it, but we can't just have these people on the front saying it and hoping for the best. We need to all be in this. We need to grab hands together. We need to run at this goal together. We need all of you to do this. We can't do this alone. We need to either stay on this boat and move this direction or to consider getting off the boat because we don't want anyone left behind. We want to pursue Jesus. We want to be a church that is unified. We want to be a church that is bravely living outward. We want to be a church that is intentionally taking risks. And if some of us are not ready for that, we have to really think, why is that? Because we're going this way as a church, and we want you to be part of this. Grab hands. For partnership, we expect these things, and this is a little precursor to the course, and some of you have heard this before. We expect our people to celebrate big, to serve one another, to engage in the mission, to get involved in community with a few, to follow Jesus daily, our five rhythms, but also to pray for the leaders of our church and to give financially to the work of the church, to see these things come to reality, to see lives changed, to see our lives changed. Are you with us? Are you going to be with us in this? Christian love is needed for partnership. It is through true Christian fellowship that we experience Christian love. Christian love is not something that we work up to. It is something that God does in us and through us. And we can tell that we are truly bound in love 
to other followers of Christ by these two things, that we are concerned about each other, that we are concerned about them, and there's a willingness to forgive one another. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians 13, 5. It says, love keeps no record of wrongs. How many wrongs have we just laid up and just ignored around things that are people that have wronged us? Pain that we've experienced. Is there a way forward? We have to forgive people. We have to keep working towards unity. We can't just pretend that nothing's happened. We can't just leave things on the side and hope for the best. Christians who practice love always experience joy like the Apostle Paul in the face of suffering, which both love and joy come as a result of the presence of the same Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5.22. This is the fruit of koinonia. This is what happens when we start to see these things happen. This unity, this partnership, this love that start happening. We love being together and there's this, this striving forward. We get to do this, this fellowship together. True partnership where the good news of Jesus is not hindered by ourselves and our sin. And good news of Jesus is not hindered by our lack of unity and partnership. Because the reason isn't God for why the gospel isn't shared. It's because of us. But we are worth fighting for. I hope you hear that this morning. We are worth fighting for our fellowship, our companionship, our partnership, our unity. Are we going to be a church that grabs each other's hands and rushes forward together, unified, sharing the gospel together, making a difference in this world? Are we going to be a church that is stuck, disunified, awkward on that boat, not partnering together, just existing together? Back to the Lord of the Rings. Are we going to be one by one joining this fellowship of the Lord, this fellowship of Koinonia happening? Are we going to be that? Is this it? Do we want to be this? You see, today we looked at how because of the gospel, we must strive for unity and partnership so that we, the church, can experience fellowship, love, and care. And we will. If we are divided, or worse, if we are apathetic to each other, why would any unbelieving person want to be just like us? Don't forget that if you need prayer today, if you want prayer, if you're just in turmoil now after this message, uh, there's people that would love to pray with you. They'll be at either side of the of the stage, and they would love to pray with you. If you see a lineup of people that are there and you feel called to pray for someone because there's more people and you're just, just surging inside and you know you want to be part of this building unity and praying for others, you don't have to be a prayer team person to do that. If there's a lineup of people or you just think, I want to be up there and praying for others, just join us in this. Join hands. Let's go. Let's really do this. So to close today, if we strive for unity and partnership, the good news of Jesus will flow through us to others, to each other, but to people outside of these four walls. Our lives will change, our world will change, and the places that we enter into will change. Let's pray, pray together. Let me pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for the awesome privilege it is to be in fellowship with others. Just like you are fellowship, koinonia with yourself, and have done as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for eternity, past, present, and future, you know that it is through the church that we can experience this kind of mutual love, unity, partnership. So I pray over our church the prayer of Paul in Ephesians 3 when he says this. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and pray. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power. Power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.